Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soprano Cast. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my associate, Mr. Archie Mitchell. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> and uh, we're back after a bit of a break. A lot of things yes. going on the past few weeks. My daughter got married. Did on this the day of my daughter's wedding. Congratulations um, to her and her husband. May their family be happy and blessed. And may their first child be a masculine one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta keep with the theme here, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that all went off without a hitch, and uh, we are back in the saddle with another edition of the Soprano Cast. And on this week's show, we I don't know that it's going to be too long, and that's fine. Some right. episodes I think we're gonna we're gonna find as we go through. You just there's some episodes where there's a lot to un, unpack, right. and then there's some episodes where there's not. So some episodes of the show might be twenty minutes long. Some episodes might be like you know we had one couple of weeks ago that was forty five minutes long. So right, it just depends on what's going on. This episode is called. Is it Pax or Pox Soprano? I believe it's Pax Soprano because this was when they were dealing with a lot of Western stuff. Like Tony was constantly mentioning, you know, uh, 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 different types of Western movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's Pax, but it might be Pox. Who knows? Um, I know one thing that I did get down here. And again, I don't know if the pronunciation is Pox or Pax, but uh, one of the trivia things that I looked up when I was because I was like, I didn't understand I didn't understand the the title. I didn't get it. Right. The, the title, according to IMDb, the title is a reference to Pax Romana, the long period mm -hmm. of relative peace in the Roman Empire from the beginning of the Augustus Caesar ah. reign in 27 BC to the end of Marcus Aurelius in 180 AD. Now that makes sense because Tony does reference Caesar multiple times in this episode. Mm -hmm. And this is when the peace in the Soprano family starts to kind of get uprosen. Right. You know what I mean? Because everything starts to get shaken up. So, okay. And you know what? Now I like the episode title even more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the episode aired originally on February the 14th, 1999. And well, let's just start. Um, there are some funny, there's some funny lines in this episode that I had to oh, write definitely. down. Even in the first five minutes when Tony, I'm, I've talked about on previous episodes, I'm not a fan of this cop character. Um, no. no. He's, he's like one of the characters, one of the few characters in this sh entire run of this show that I'm not a fan of. But it is funny when him and Tony are meeting and Tony tells him, buy yourself an iron, you know. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's such, a, he's such a wrinkly looking man. He's a sloppy, just rolled out of bed cop who's mad at the world. And Tony isn't having it because even when Tony's doing things for him, like, Tell him you don't owe me anything anymore because he's a degenerate gambler. He's still right. pissed off. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Tony really gets off on, on messing with this guy. It's between the cop and then when he eventually meets Bobby Baccalari, who he gets off on messing with more. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the cop was the beginning of it all. <laughs> Bobby's another story. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll get to him when he shows up. Bobby's a character. Bobby's one of the few characters in this entire show that uh, is is uh, what do you want to say? He's not a half bad human being. You know, he's wholesome, he's, right? Yeah, he's wholesome. Yeah. He's an idiot. He's a he's he's a useful idiot. He's <laughs> right, but he's there when they need him. You know what I mean? And he's he's willing to go the extra mile. But then he ends up saying or doing something so stupid that you just go, God. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yes. But yeah, Tony, Tony and the cop again meet because he's still having him 
figure out things about Milfi, but also about who possibly may be a rat in the family. Right. Because now we're starting to have this cop tell Tony, some of my black and white uh, cop car friends are tailing some of your guys around. And they know they're in the rear view, but they're not minding it so much. So now he's starting to make Tony wonder who's who's the rat, who's who's talking to the cops. Yes. We're getting you know? um we're we're starting to build we're starting to build here. Um mm -hmm. for the suspense and the drama that's about to come as the season progresses. Um and we watch this show really start to pick up here in a few yes. episodes. Um yes. But of course, we have to have Tony at the uh, at Melfi's office, and and I just love. Uh, again, I I don't know that I would have, and I know it's hindsight, and you're like, well, you don't know. It could have been different. It's it's, but there is nobody I don't think that could have played Tony like Gandolfini. Um, no, just the sarc the way that he frames his sarcasm and his smirks and his anger and just everything like. You know, like in this scene where he's like, every woman in my life breaks my balls and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And yeah. he's just, he's so good. So fucking you know, good. You know what the bad part is? Is before The Sopranos, James Gandolfini was a bit player in other, in like little movies and things like that. And he was fine. Then they gave him Tony Soprano and he mastered it. And then mm -hmm. everything he did after that could not compare. Because he right. wasn't what we wanted. We wanted Tony Soprano. He was the mayor in Pelham of one, uh, taking a Pelham one, two, three. He was the father in uh, uh, Christmas. He was in a Christmas movie with Ben Affleck. And he's doing this funny voice now because it's his real voice, not Tony Soprano. And we're like, what the hell is this? Right. So yep. he, he, he really, I guess he sort of got typecasted, but it was the perfect typecasting he could have ever gotten caught at. Yes. Because it was built for him. No one just, else could have paid that. It, that I guess that's the that's the catch twenty two of playing such an iconic character is you get right. you know like for instance, um, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Exactly. You know, I mean, other than obviously he did like voice work doing the the Batman animated series. He played the Joker and blah blah blah. Right. But he essentially just is Luke Skywalker. Luke He's Skywalker. never you know he never got he never got to be anything else because he played such an iconic role. Right. Right. That, um, yeah. So it, it just, it, it happens to some people. It is just, is what it is. And, and I'm sure Mark Hamill doesn't mind all the fucking money. No. And I'm wrong. more than sure that James Gandolfini didn't mind it either because there were talks before he passed away of doing a Sopranos, you know, a Sopranos movie with Tony in it. And he was mm -hmm. all for it. And he loved his castmates. We talked about that in the past of the, on this show giving them, you know, extra money out of his paycheck so everybody was caught up and everybody had what they wanted. And he was doing so many things for the show. So it goes to show it never was about, well, I don't want to be Tony Soprano anymore. He was happy in this role. Right. And it opened up other doors to him. And granted, those movies that he made after that, after the Sopranos were not great, you know, nothing groundbreaking, but he was still making Hollywood movies and he was still looked upon and respected in the Hollywood community. Yes. So... You know, and his rapport with Lorena Bracco as Dr. Milfi was even better than his rapport with Carmella, which, you know, and I know they had a great husband and wife thing going on. But when him and Milfi would sit in that office and she would critique him and piss him off and he'd yeah. get that anger and that that wanting to say something so hurtful to her, but then he would hold back for a second was perfect. Yes, I agree. So. 
Yeah, those two have a, had a really great chemistry together on screen. Mm -hmm. um, we also have, of course, in this episode, um, the development <laughs> of Junior being the new boss. Yes, he, he sends Mikey out on a psycho mission to take out some of the top earners for some of the other crime bosses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, they take out a couple of drug dealers, a couple of uh, guys who are got money on the street, and it's not sitting too well with Tony's capos because, well, hey, we made him the boss, hoping that, you know, would take some of the, the fire off of us when the police came down, but now we ain't making no money. Yeah, we've created you know? a monster is essentially right. the... Uh the gist right. um and then of course we have the scene we have the scene with junior at the tailor um right and i actually this is and and he doesn't have a lot of redeeming i guess good moments in the show he's normally kind right. of a bastard but this is actually kind of a redeeming quality scene for junior you know where it is you know, his his you know, he's obviously we don't know we don't know the backstory, but you can kind of kind of tell by the way the scene plans out that he's known this tailor forever. This is his guy, right. he's they're friendly, and the tailor tells him that his grandkid um killed himself. Well, OD. pretty much OD'd, yes. Right on drugs, and that gets Junior all fired up about the the drug dealers and the the way things are the way things are. Right. Right. And I will say this, and I agree with you, it was a redeeming quality, but it was also Drew, uh, Junior being overdramatic as well, in mm. that, why did we have to kill the top guy? We don't know We don't know exactly who sold that kid those drugs. We right. know it came from Jimmy Altieri's drug outfit, but they could have killed, killed just one of the dealers, but they killed the, one of the top guys, so now there was no money trickling down anymore. So it halted everything going on. So it was a little overdramatic. It could have been done many right. other ways, but I guess because he was the new boss, he wanted to set precedence. And, um, you know, the thing I always found odd about Junior, but I also guess that goes with a lot of elderly people, death follows them. They always get yes. the first ones to know when somebody dies. You know, as we get, yes. get longer into the show... Junior goes to I don't know how many funerals in one episode just to get out of the house. And I want to like, tell wow, you, I, I want to tell you a funny story about my grandmother. Go ahead. And like I said, my grandmother's not sinister like Livia, but she is <sighs> that she is that self-deprecating woman like Livia is. Right. You know, oh woe is me. She's very much a woe is me. But I have to I have to chuckle because she actually her high school yearbook. Mm -hmm. My grandmother. It, well, she's ninety-eight, so I guarantee you, folks. She, I guarantee you, folks. She's the last survivor of her high school class. More than likely, and, uh, <laughs> pretty much. I call it the I call it the high school death book because she literally has written in the yearbook under oh, everybody's God. picture when they died. <laughs> oh God. It's not funny, but it's funny. Oh God, that's so it's like a it's like a yellow pages, but for death. Yeah. <laughs> died, died October 1986 or oh, whatever. Oh, she's their date. Oh yeah, man. even the oh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, my my great grandmother used to have old videos when we were younger. And as it was, you know, when you go over to visit the grandparents or the great grandparents. They pop on somebody's uh, wedding 
or somebody's birthday party that you had, that had videoed. And as we got older, we'd rewatch those videos like 10 years later or whatever, 20 years later. And I remember one time I turned over to my cousin. I'm like, you realize everybody in this video is a ghost right now? Yeah, everybody's Except dead. Except for maybe four people. And he looked at me and go, oh, God, that's so bone chilling. I'm like, yeah. He I'm is. like, look, there's, I'm like, there's an entire table of people we buried in the last five years. He's like, you're absolutely right. This is horrible. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts. Time is a hell of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So back to the show, though. Miss Obviously, yeah. they, they killed the drug dealer. And Jimmy runs to Tony to tell him what's going on. The other bosses are there. They're bitching and moaning that Junior's costing them money. And then Junior goes to visit Livia. Yes, who is, once again, I say, Livia, she's like she's like the Emperor Palpatine of the Sopranos. She's, yes. she's such yes. a villain. She's such a villain. And I, she has a great line. I told you there's some great lines in this mm -hmm. episode. She has a great line in this scene, Junior and Livia, at the, uh, obviously at the nursing home. And she says, yep. even the coffee's old in here. And yep. I, that's, that's so funny. Yep. One of her neighbors passes by. Are you new here? Junior's like, keep moving, pal. He wants nothing to do with anybody yeah. that lives there. <laughs> yeah. keep, keep moving, keep pal. Moving, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I didn't write that down, but that's, <laughs> yes, that's great, too. So, yeah, they're talking. And for some reason, Hesh's name comes up, which we really haven't seen that much of Hesh just yet, except that he's Tony's sort of consigliere. You know, that mob advisor. Yes. Uh, like a Tom Hagen and the Godfather and things like that. And all of a sudden, Olivia remembers that there was money given and something went on with Johnny. And she thinks that tech should be uh, that Hess, Hess should be taxed. And advises Junior to do this. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She's so sinister. You know, she's... Yeah. Junior's the boss, but at this point, Livia's pulling the strings. In my opinion, uh, Olivia was sort of like the Hillary Clinton when Bill was in office. She was the one telling him what to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you're the boss now? Well, I got a few things you need to clean up. Okay, no problem, Olivia. I got it under control. So, yes, and you know, um, I think the I think the Hesh and, and Livia thing goes back to, you know, the the relationship between Hesh and Tony's dad. Yeah, they back were back in the day, and they used to date girls together. She knew that he was a bad influence on Johnny. Which, look, when you're a mobster, there nobody needs to be, be a bad influence on you. That's just the way it is. But right, you know, she's she's digging up old graves and trying to find out what she can. And Junior, being her puppet, goes right forward and says, "Yeah, we're, we're going to take care of it." And ends up taxing Hesh five hundred thousand dollars. Yes, and Hesh goes to Tony. Yep. And in, in 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 the in the most polite way he possibly can says, "Can we fucking straighten this out cuz right. I don't think this is cool at all." Right. <laughs> Tony being Tony the peacemaker says, "Yeah, we'll we'll figure out a way, but obviously something does have to be paid." You know, he tries mm -hmm. to go and sympathize with Junior and let him know, you know, Hesh gives you 3% out of his sports book every week. So you're making money off of him already. There shouldn't be a tax. Junior being Junior tells Tony basically to go F himself in a polite way, but in, in an uncle way. And they're at a standstill right for the time being. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get past that hurdle here momentarily. Right. right. Um, but we have uh 
Tony has a has a uh, frisky dream about his psychiatrist. Yes, the first of many. Yes. <laughs> and um, then I put down here. Tony and Carmela have their anniversary dinner. <coughs> here we see Johnny Sack. In the in you know he's, he, yep. yes yes we finally meet him, and I put down of course Tony and Carmela fight <laughs> because which. It was such a stupid fight. The man sent them a bottle of champagne to celebrate their anniversary. He didn't come sit at their table. He didn't right. buy them dinner. He wanted to celebrate. It's what people do, whether you're a mobster or you're a normal Joe Schmo. When you see a buddy celebrating something, you give them a gift of some sort. Mm -hmm. And, of course, though, she being Miss Sul the sulky pants that she is, I thought it was our anniversary, and now it's his. And, and it's what she does. But it gave yes. her an excuse for what happens next after that. Yes. <laughs> you know, which made no sense. Again, no sense. Tell them what she did. Oh, so because of that, she decides she's just going to go out and buy a bunch of fucking furniture. Right. From the most yeah. expensive furniture store in all of New Jersey. So in other words, she knows what she's doing. Right. Right. <laughs> The argument we had an argument, so you're going to make this up to me by fully furnishing our home again, which I think she dropped like fifty grand because she furnished the entire living room and dining room and kitchen. And he's like, "So it's like, yeah, all right, whatever." And she's like, "I'll send it back." He knows she can't send it. Who sends back furniture, right? Like that, yes. you know what I mean? She, we know this furniture is not getting set back. No, so okay, she keeps furniture. <laughs> But again, from a stupid argument to I'm buying furniture. <laughs> not a piece of jewelry, not a piece of clothing, furniture. The um the, the other the other little thing going on here through this whole sequence is um Tony kind of finds out that um Melfi her, her she's having problems with her car. Yes. She kind of over he overhears it, right? Yes, he overhears her talking to a mechanic or whatever on the phone. And uh, um, I think that's the same scene where he brings her a cup of coffee and she says, I yeah. can't accept gifts. And um, uh, he tells the her best having... he had The best line he had in that scene after that was, does that mean I can't drink mine? So it was right, still about yes. him. His sarcasm. <laughs> I love his sarcasm. <laughs> it was still about him after all that. So does it mean I can't drink mine? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he finds out about her car and the alternator, and he cooks up this wonderful plan to woo her by stealing her car. Yes, woo her and by stealing her car and having <laughs> it fixed. And this woman who is not familiar with what it's like to be in his lifestyle, all of this obviously is very disarming for her and very mm -hmm. distressful. But you can understand, you know, her point of view, like. The way his world works and the way her world works are completely different, you know. Yes. Like yes, if if known. if Christopher would do something like that for Adriana, she would look at it as a wonderful romantic gesture. Oh, you have my car stolen, and then you had it fixed. Right. But for right. Melfi, being from a totally different world than these people are from, again, it's right. very it's very disarming for her. Of course, because first of all, how did you know where I lived? You know what I mean? You're a patient yes. of mine. You're not supposed to know where I live. Two, how easily did you steal my car? Which she didn't know he stole their car at first. Right. Because she, the next scene, she takes the car to a mechanic 
And he's like, ma'am, there's nothing wrong with your alternator. She's like, but they told me it needed to be fixed for $1,500. He's like, ma'am, this was the best line a mechanic could tell somebody. He was straight as an arrow with her. Ma'am, I'd love to, to soak you for $1,500, but I yeah. can't fix the brand new part. You know what I mean? So and, I, I'd love to take your money, but your money's no good here right now. Right, right. It's a brand new part. So, okay, now she puts two and two together. And, and we're going to, you know, later on, she's going to probably act, you know, she's going to look to ask Tony about it and see what he says. Which, um, actually, we can just, we can just lump that together because then we can talk about the, uh, the junior stuff. Right. Um, uh, all together he, as well. But he, he essentially, she, she, I don't want to say confronts him about having her car fixed, but she right. gets it out of him that he may, he may or may not have done that for her. Right. And, then we get a revelation from Tony that he believes that he's in love with her. Right. Which is not the first time again that he declares his love for her and tells her that he thinks that that would have been the perfect woman for him if you would have gotten together with her, which I, I get it. But if you, if you, if you ever paid attention to different mob movies, main characters that are full-blooded Italian, you know what I mean? Yes. End up marrying women who are either half Italian, half Jewish, or full Jewish. Henry Hill in the in Goodfellas, uh, you know, in uh, mm -hmm. uh, Bronx Tale, his mom was only half Italian. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it it's never and Carmela was the same thing. Her father was full one hundred percent Italian, but her mom was Jewish. So she he always used to utter the words, "My mom would have loved if I got with you because you're from Avellino, where my people are from." So right. Milfi was like the ideal woman for an Italian man to be married to. You know, yes, and uh, so. like I said, it's that you know their dynamic is great on screen. Um, yes. Any scene where in the, they're in the office together to me is always some of the best stuff on the show because not only are, do the two actors have a great chemistry, but you get to see you get to see Tony with his with his guard down a little bit, right? You know, he actually opens up, and of of course. Um, Junior, I'm oh, sorry, Junior, um, he winds up actually caving on the whole Hesh thing because well, Tony gets Johnny Sack involved. Right. And Johnny Sack smoozes him, tells him, you know, you're, you, we understand you're one of the strongest guys we got. And yes, the tax needs to be paid, but 500 is a little out of line. And they, mm -hmm. they agree on 250 which is still a large amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it's half of what you wanted, so okay, fine. And then Tony and Junior go to a baseball game, which none of their children are playing in, so I didn't understand that part, but I guess they couldn't be in the public eye seeing each other. <laughs> and, uh, and Tony begins explaining about Augustus Caesar and Octavia and so on and how you know he was loved by his people because he gave... But Junior's not buying into that. He doesn't understand what the whole to hell Tony's telling him. Right. And then Tony yes. has to deliver a story that to this day I still remember, Nate. I could recite it without seeing it. I know we just watched it a couple weeks ago to get ready for the show. But he tells me, you once told me about the, a father and son bull sitting on top of a, a hill. And he, the son said, Dad, look at all those cows down there. Why don't we run down there and sleep with one of them? And the father says, I got a better one. Why don't we walk down there and sleep with them all? I'm being yes. PG. <laughs> and Junior 
finally understands that he's telling him to dish out the money amongst his capos and make good with everybody in the family, which he does. So 50000 per capo. Not bad. It was a long and more entertaining way of saying you gather more bees with honey. With honey, right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, um, but it's a great it's a great story. It's one of those stories that when I'm in a vindictive mood and I'm trying to like think of something I have to do, I think back to that scene and I go, he's right. There's no reason to do it quickly. Right. Do it slowly. Mm-hmm. You know? Take care of it slowly. So um, they work it out. And then Hesh visits Tony. And he's like, so what ended up happening? It's like we whacked up the figure you two hundred and fifty thousand between the five bosses. And Hesh is like, what'd you do with your end? <laughs> and Tony Tony gives Hesh his cut. Right. Of so, Hesh's money. So it only cost Hesh two hundred thousand. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it also yeah. it also and you, you, you look at it this <laughs> way, it's, you look at it two ways. You can look at it as and he, he does. You can look at it as Tony respects Hesh, loves Hesh, trusts Hesh, right. and Hesh is his friend. But you also, in the line of business they're in, always, there's always an ulterior motive for everything. Right. Because exactly. somebody can be your best friend tomorrow or today, but tomorrow you have to have him whacked. So exactly. he's, there's two things going on here. Tony is, yes, being respectful of Hesh and giving him his money back and showing him you know, his love and his respect. But he's also know he also knows that at some point he's gonna be the boss and he's gonna need Hesh. And he's gonna need a he's gonna need a favor. And yes, and he yes, keep the keep, it works you know, out. keep yep, more bees with honey. Right. And on top of that, he fixed all his capos who were pissed off about not making anything, he got them fifty grand in their pockets immediately. And mm-hmm. he made his uncle happy because his uncle got the tax hash, which is what he wanted to do anyway. You know what I mean? So it all worked. Everybody got what they wanted. And in the grand grand scheme of it all, Tony knows he's going to get eventually what he wants, which is everything. Yes. You know? And and then I also wrote down here before we get to that last scene, because I, I didn't I didn't really focus anything on anything with Tony and his Guma. And she annoys the shit out of me anyway. A lot of the later on, later on there's developments that were I, I like that, but in these earlier episodes, that girl just annoys me. Like his scenes with her annoy me. Yeah. Yeah. But um, one thing I did note before we get to the last scene of the show, which is, which is a very important scene, but for the, then this is where the script, the script is where you can say this is a well-written script because you have to put something like this in here. We see Tony and Carmela have lots of confrontational moments. Yes. There need to be moments like they have, and I wrote it down here. They have a sweet moment by the pool. There need to be moments where you see that they really do love each other. Because other than that, it's just, it's this shallow marriage that you can't, you know, you can't, I'm not going to be emotionally invested in this couple. It's nice. It's nice once in a while, a few times a season where they give us a a scene where you can see they, they really do love each other. Yes, they do exactly, and he he had to once again prove his love, which is understandable. Sometimes wives get a little insecure, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they need to hear that you 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 uh, love them, you respect them, you want to be with them, and uh, in a in a the grand scheme of it all, Carmela was very upset that Milfi can help Tony and she can't, mm-hmm. and she wanted her husband to know that she was there for him. 
So in the same regard, he looked at her and told her, you're my life, you're my everything. And that made everything better. So it was a nice feel-good moment to end the episode. We didn't so much hate Carmela at that point. We understood where she was coming from a little bit. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and that, like I said, something like that is important. Definitely. Because you don't, you don't, you want, you want your characters to have dimension. You know, I don't, I don't want to see just that this couple is just at each other's throats all the time. Like I said, I just, I want to see they're, they're a married couple with two kids and, and, a, and a life that isn't just the mob, you know, and right. that's the, it's important to have scenes like this to, to I agree, especially, especially in a show that's going to run as long as the show's going to run. Well, right, right. Look, we've seen junior grow as a character as now the boss. Tony has grown from episode one to now where we are in six in a big way. So mm -hmm. if Carmela isn't growing and then the other characters, it can't just be a two person show, but right. it wouldn't be a series, you know, and it would just be the Tony and, and junior show. So we have to pretty much understand where everybody's coming from. And in some ways, we learn where Olivia was coming from all after all this time. Yes. And why she was so bewildered and, and shy and timid as an older woman because of how boisterous she was as a younger woman. You know, and we learn about Chris. This this was the perfect time for Carmela to come out of her, her um, what's the word? Out of her uh, uh, cocoon, you know, and blossom yeah. as a character. Because we were six episodes in, and all we got from her for the first six episodes was bitch, bitch, bitch yes, bitch, venom, bitch. yes, right. <laughs> so now it was, I want to help you, but I don't know how. Oh, okay, good. She doesn't just use him for his money. She's not mm -hmm. just with him because he's a mob boss, you know. <laughs> so. Yes. And then, of course, important scene to end this show. We have the Capos. They're all at dinner. And, and they're uh, celebrating Junior as the new boss. Yes, because because uh, you know I you know that like you said the the gist of it is that Tony got Junior to settle the fuck down. Right, <laughs> right. And so now you know he's getting his he's finally getting his um his 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 celebratory dinner. They're all Which toasting is what he's him. Been wanting right, he's been yes. wanting this since him since Johnny and he were younger men. Mm -hmm. you and know, you can see so it in his face. Yep. I can never remember the actor's name, but that guy is so good with his face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At conveying the emotions. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. The thing I never understood, though, because obviously the scene comes to an end. They're all saying, you know, salute to Junior and how, how happy they are for him to be the new boss. And then we find out that one of the waiters is wearing a pocket cam and taking pictures of everybody. So it's the mm -hmm. FBI finding out that Junior is the new boss. Now, that's fine and well. The FBI would have found out who he was anyway because they, they keep a tab on everything. But I've never understood in these mob movies, and obviously this happens in real life too from what I understand from seeing so many mob documentaries. Why do the mobsters have a party to celebrate the new boss when that's basically putting him in the public eye? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> even, For such even a secret a, society. Even if, you're in, even if you're in the back room of one of your restaurants. Right. People are going to notice. home. But yeah, you people know, are going to, well, and like I said, if you're in the back room of a restaurant, people are going to notice a bunch of mob bosses shuffling into the back room of the restaurant. In fancy suits, right. And going, yeah. oh, congratulations. What are we congratulating them on? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, why? We're such a secret society. You joined you know the Chamber I mean? of Commerce. You know, you joined yeah. the Chamber of Commerce. It's, it's Waste weird. management. You know, it's just, it's, I've always wondered that. Like, why do you have, I get celebrating. 
do it in a different way. You right. know what I mean? Don't do it so out in the open that users are celebrating him being the boss. And now they go to when you see the 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 pincushion board. Junior's the new boss. Tony's the underboss. They have it all pinpointed out who everybody is and who they're going after. So yes. Tony essentially got what he wanted. Junior is now in the public eye as the boss, so he's the first to go down if anything gets brought up. And overall, I would say <laughs> um, if we're giving, you know, uh, what, out I'll of five? Right. Right. Yeah, if we're giving out of five, actually, to be honest with you, I'd give this episode a four. There's there's lots of good character development here and Definitely. stuff going on with Junior. And um, the, the, the development, like I said, with Carm and Tony and with Tony and Hesh and, and with just Tony a lot. And right. Yes. Yes. And I, um, I agree with you. I agree with you on a four. The only reason I will not agree uh, that it wasn't a five is the rest of Tony's crew was not present. Mm -hmm. We didn't see Paulie. We didn't see Silvio. We didn't see Christopher. It was strictly about the Capos, which were fought, which is fine. But, you know, we got so much development from everybody else. It would have been nice to flesh out maybe Paulie a little bit or something that early on. Right. Because right. we all, all we know of Silvio and Paulie is, as of right now, well, they used to work with Johnny. And they're beholden to Tony. That's it. So, you know. Yep. It, but but definitely, I say a strong four. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I'd agree with you. Um, join us next week to find out what we think of the next episode. Because I'm not yep. as... I'm not as... Um... We'll get to it next week. Well, so... I, look, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a spoiler. It's, it's a very one-sided episode in that we're only factoring in on really one big thing going on in the Soprano household, not the family. Right. You know what I yes. mean? So it, it's very one-sided. It's a good episode, and we get some revelations about Tony, but not enough about the mob side, more mm -hmm. of about the person side. So I understand where you're going with that. And we will reveal that next week. So I want to thank everybody for joining us, and I know Archie does too. Yes, yes, I do. And uh, check us out. Um, if you check out the WNR Podcast Network on YouTube, if you prefer to listen to your podcasts on YouTube, I am posting our shows on the WNR Podcast Network page on YouTube. Yeah. So do do check those out if that's where you prefer to listen to your podcast. Don't worry. It's a YouTube video, but it's just an image. You don't have to see our ugly mugs. I like you, you listen. want to take a vote, let us know. If you want you to can, see them, yeah, if you want to see them. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the yeah. character. I'll, I'll put on. I'm going to dress like Polly Walnuts if we have to do that. Yeah. Well, I have the hair for Polly Walnuts, so I think you'd have to dress like Silvio. <laughs> All right, I can do Silvio. And I can do the chin. <laughs> I'll do the chin, even. I'll do All the right. chin. All right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but join us, <laughs> join us next week, everybody, for our review of Season 1, Episode 7. It is entitled Down Neck, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>